Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. Andrew keeps Andrewing and Spurs keep spurring. Everton points deduction, why Nate wants to quit the pod, and a title race is in the works. When, whenever I finish that, like, I don't know how many times you listen to our episode, but whenever I finish that, does the, does the music like automatically like trigger in your mind? Like I start hearing the music trigger yeah. in your mind. Yeah. And like, if we had any money, we'd have better music than what we have. So it's like the, the bad music that was free that we're using. That's as good as free music gets is what hits. Yeah, you never really liked it from the beginning, but I just had to pick something and right. it, was, it was kind of the best of what I could find. So. Right. We needed something where we didn't have to pay royalties for. So right. and I, I did. I did reach out to Jay-Z, Eminem and a couple of those guys, and they all said no. So Eminem's too busy doing the Fortnite live event on Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Big night for him. So big, big night for him. Yep. He's on the come up. He is. He's a new, new, new rapper hitting the scene. Hopefully this Fortnite thing puts him over the top. Yeah. Well, the this league, is like old times, Nate. It is like old times. Just you and I. And feels good. It feels right. It does. It feels good. Um, Lundberg promises that he's going to be on again soon, starting next week. So we will, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> see what happens there. He's a busy guy. When he agreed to right. begin with, I was I was skeptical how long, and we don't have a good track record of people sticking out the whole season. So we might have the worst track record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Other than Andrew, who, like a leech, sucked on, started sucking our blood, and won't go away. Yeah, but he still didn't last. He just picked a team way early. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he didn't follow any rules. He didn't follow he did. any rules. He, he just didn't listen didn't. to any advice. He picked a team almost immediately, then regretted it, got away from them, and went crawling back when they did the exact same thing that he picked them for in the first place, and then is going to regret it in three more weeks. I know. The question is, is he going to stick? I, I'm bummed he's no. not on. I, I'm bummed he's not on because I feel like, and we'll – We'll get to it, but I feel like the Garnacho goal is like the the <laughs> the gateway drug to him coming back and becoming a United fan. Like, so he's not welcome at this point. Uh, I will protest heavily. I will print thirty six thousand corrupt signs with his face <laughs> on it, and I will hold them up in a stadium. Um, he's not welcome. It took us three months to shake the Andrew stank off of us. Ooh, it, good took point. Garnet, it took Garnacho three months to score his first premier league goal. Um, Andrew needs to stay as far away from United as humanly possible. I will not let it, I won't even let him entertain it. It's not happening. I think he's going to have to stick with Spurs. I just don't know who else yeah. he would go. He would only go to United. I feel like at this point. So yeah, well, we are talking about someone who dated the same girl like four or five different times at this point. That's so, true. like, I feel like you know he loves to make the dating scenario alignments to to the Premier League, and in this case, his life runs true in that I have no doubt in three weeks he will dump the Spurs, 
And in seven weeks, he will come crawling back because he's a lonely little boy. (laughs) Well, Spurs have done what we've said they would do all along. And they are falling like a rock. They're now in fifth place. Uh, I think they've lost three in a row. And there's all the reasons. Obviously, they, they have been hurt, which is really unfortunate for them. Um, but it, in some ways it doesn't really matter. Like they, they're falling, they've lost three in a row and they face Manchester city on the weekend. So it does not look to be, uh, moving up anytime soon for them. So as we always say, who you play matters. I made an argument also most of those early days that uh, when when I think it was our or Liverpool and Spurs were really close that Liverpool had played the harder schedule or maybe Arsenal. I don't remember. Regardless, I didn't think Spurs yeah. had played a difficult schedule. And now they're hitting a little tougher run. Um, Chelsea, Wolves, Aston Villa and now City, and they haven't been able to to secure any points. Yeah, I mean, it was the debate early. Andrew kept telling us how dumb we were that Spurs were the best team and that if we even thought Liverpool was better than them, we were the dumbest people he's ever met. Um, turns out we just happen to know a little bit more about footy than he does. We're basically experts at this point, Chris. Why he would ever doubt us is beyond. Uh, it's way beyond me too. So yeah. And it's funny to hear the excuses, like, especially like, I try and be as reasonable as I can as a United fan. Like I fully know United fans are probably the worst out there. Like, but there's a small group who are realistic and knowledgeable. And and those are the ones that you can have conversations with. And I try and fit into that route. So like hearing Spurs complain about injuries is like the funniest thing in the world. Because you didn't care, you know, four weeks ago when there was 20 players on our injured list, all you know, most of them starters, and we were in 12th place, it was, oh, you got to deal with the, the season as it comes at you. And now it's like they've lost six guys and, you know, three of them are starters. And they're like, oh, we're so beat up. What are we supposed to do? It's like, sorry, man, you are getting no sympathy for the injury card. No sympathy. There should be none, especially for right. the injury camp. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, who knows? You know, United's got a tough matchup this weekend in the Premier League. Um, but we could be talking next week at this time that United has jumped Spurs in the standings. They're only two points apart and both teams have a tough matchup this weekend. So I can't believe I'm saying that I hope it happens and you know how much (laughs) that pains me to say, but I don't know if there's, (laughs) there's not much that I love more than seeing Spurs spur. So yeah, uh, it just feels like it all is right in the world when they're just tumbling. That's right. So, so yeah. Big things being right in the world. Everton is in 19th place, <laughs> not by their own merits. It is unfortunate. Well, kind of. well I mean, them being the players. Yes. Uh, yes you do. Yes. You do have to feel for the players because it's not their fault. Uh, but some shady bookkeeping uh, has led Everton to receive a 10 point deduction uh, for breaching financial fair play rules. And they now sit not bottom of the table, uh, but rather at 19th place, tied with Burnley with four points, but uh, 
well ahead with a negative six goal differential. Uh, Chris, what do you make of this? And what do you, what do you think it means for other teams who uh, have potentially breached financial fair play rules? Yeah, this is, this is so interesting. And it's going to be the storyline for maybe the next two to three years. Um, It's, it's so interesting. Now, okay. The one thing I'm not, well-educated on is do you know when the Everton financial fair play breach occurred? Like, was it recently? Was it like five, six, seven years ago? No, I think it's within the last couple of years um, from what I've read. So, and this is very confusing. Like as much Uh, as, as much as American sports have complicated financial thing, like, uh, salary caps and and stuff like that luxury taxes this is it's far more confusing because there's just not as much information out there and yeah so that's where i think american sports you have the information at your disposal and you know how much players teams are spending on players so right it's a it's a lot more public there's most American sports have hard salary caps. You can't go over this. Can't spend more than that. Here's here's how you can do it. But then the contracts are black and white. Here it is for oh, the most part. For the now most- you, you hear rumors, you know, like LeBron telling AD, "Hey, come to LA. I'll put you in Space Jam too, and there's an extra twenty million for you." Yeah. But you know, the NBA can't do anything about that because that's yep. outside. It is what it is. But yeah, everything is pretty much presented to you in American sports. Here's what this player makes. Here's how it, it goes. We don't know those things in soccer. Like we see reports of like, you know, they spent $50 million and that's just the transfer fee. And they're going to give them $250,000 a week or is it a month or is it every second week? Like there's so much to these soccer contracts that we just don't know. Um, I think that let me just say one thing as a clarifying point. And I think this is an important distinction, especially for American audience. The important distinction is American salary caps exist to create parity within the league and a sense of fairness. So even, even the leagues that have um, like a luxury tax, where if you go over the salary cap, you get taxed and that money is redistributed to the rest of the teams below the threshold. All of that is to create parity and fairness. This is not the same thing. So this is the one thing that I learned uh, over the weekend after the Everton stuff went through. And I think this is important distinction. The reason financial fair play exists is not to make the play fair because what you get in trouble for is for losing money. So you can only lose a certain amount of money each year. And so as we know, Luton Town has a much smaller margin for losing money. They have a smaller stadium. They have uh, less revenue coming in. They don't have anyone in the States buying their jerseys. They have a much smaller margin than a city, a United, a Liverpool has. So, So the reason is because the Premier League is a business. And what the Premier League wants to prevent is teams losing money year over year over year 
and then falling into a situation where they have to declare bankruptcy or they have, or they have to, or, uh, they need to sell, but they sell at a loss and a team goes into drastic financial hardships because once that starts happening, that then devalues the entire league and it puts all the other, all the other teams at risk. So this is not about fair play. It's not about fair play. If they want fair play, they put a hard salary cap in and they create methods to redistribute wealth throughout the league. This is about preserving the financial uh, security of the league. And so um, that's what this is about. And so what Everton did is they lost too much money over a three, and it's all based on a three-year period. And so they lost too much money over a three-year period and are now being nailed for it. Yeah. So thank you for the education on that stuff. Um, There's one, the Everton side of it is based on the history of the game and the history of these punishments, they were punished accordingly. Yeah. Um, I don't have any problem with the Premier League handing Everton a 10-point deduction that's in line with what they have historically always done. Where this gets convoluted and messed up is that they have one financial fair play charge against them. And there's a team in the Premier League who will remain nameless. Uh, It involves a city, and it is not united. Um, But... They have 115 financial yep. fair play breaches against them, were found guilty by the league, and then it has been arbitrated over the last couple of years. And the Premier League has not handed out punishment for it. They tried to ban them from Champions League. They tried to ban them from European competition. And that is what ended up getting arbitrated. And Manchester City won an arbitration, so they're allowed to continue playing in those European competitions. But it is still on the Premier League to hand out whatever the due punishment is. And now, if we're talking about a 10-point penalty for one breach, what in the hell is the proper punishment for 115 breaches? That is what is wild. And that is why Everton fans are justly upset. For sure. Like, how did this process hit them so quickly, have the punishment handed out so swiftly, and you have City who has breached way, way, way more rules and not received any sort of punishment within the league yet. And then what spins this off even further is that you have teams like Manchester United and Liverpool who, on the record, off the record, have basically said, if you do not hand out due punishment to Manchester City, we too will not follow financial play play rules and we will break them. And when you try and hand us out a punishment, we will not accept it. We do not care. And so you have these three prongs. Everton justly received punishment. I think what they got was exactly what the league has done. But because they haven't dealt with Manchester City and the just far more reaching breaches that they had, that's why Everton fans are upset, and I agree with them. And then you have the other big clubs going, okay, you're not going to punish them, then guess what? The rule book goes out the window. You can take your punishment and shove it up your ass because it means nothing. 
So this is like the craziest issue in sports I think we've ever come across, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, th I think it's fascinating. I think, yeah, I don't understand enough to know why City is able to, you know, why the court of arbitration or court of sport, sports arbitration sided with City. Um, but there, there are rumors that City and potentially Chelsea as well, because they have some some shady financial dealings under Roman Ab Abrahamovich. What? Uh, that, I know. <laughs> Who would have uh, That each of them could receive 30-point deductions. 30-point deductions would be the, the equivalent. For and I don't even know if that's fair, to be 100% honest with you. And there are teams that I've read. Fair that you think they should more. get more? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, they clearly didn't just accidentally break a rule. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if we're talking about 10-point deduction for one infraction. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, that's easy math. Just add a zero. So they should be deducted 1,150 points for their 115 <laughs> infractions. <laughs> And that's why teams are calling for them to be expelled from the Premier League, which I yeah. think is realistically on the table. If you give Manchester City a 30-point penalty, okay, they're still going to score 55 to 65 points in the season and be eighth, ninth, yeah. you know, middle of the table. And they're going to go, oh, well, ha, guess what? We're going to win it next year because guess what? We don't care about the rules. We're going to do whatever we want. Yep. I I, it's a it's a tough look. It's a bad look for the league, and they need to figure it out somewhat quickly. Because if if they still haven't figured it out by the end of the season, and let's say Everton does end up in the bottom three and get gets rele relegated, that's a nightmare scenario. Like you're pretend, you're talking lawsuits. You're talking like all kinds hey. of stuff that could happen now. No, I agree. I agree. They need to solve it by the end of the season, and I would even argue like. For the players' sake, sooner rather than later, as well. Like it's not good for anyone, and yeah. honestly, it's not good for the Premier League. It's not good for the Premier League if they do if if Chelsea, Everton, and United, or yeah, and City go down. That means Luton, Sheffield, and Burnley all stay up. It definitely devalues the product of the Premier League, unfortunately. But I agree with you that a big statement needs to be made. Yeah, it's going to be – it's fascinating to me. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I, I Like in, in the back of my head, and this is pure speculation. I've read nothing about this. But you do hear whispers about the Super League still being out there. Uh-huh. And it, it, part of me wonders, is is the Premier League dancing around this issue with City and potentially Chelsea out of the fear that these teams are going to band together one more time and this time actually hightail it out and start their own league, which yeah. could always happen. I know there was like huge backlash from every fan base and kudos to all the fans for, for that, for keeping the Premier League together. Um, but just because it got thwarted once doesn't mean it's over. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. What I find funny talk about the Everton match. Well, that's what I was just going to say. What I find <laughs> funny is there was so much on Twitter from Everton fans, fury 
and how let's show them. Let's go out there and show them. And they did. They showed us that they deserve to be relegated. That team <laughs> is hot garbage. And uh, you know, United, like United, okay. them for who they are. Part of me feels a little bad for Everton because, like, pre match, their fans were hyped and their players were hyped. And they come out and they're playing. And within four minutes, we're literally three minutes <laughs> into the game, a world class all time goal occurs against them. Yeah, And just the pin popping the balloon and the air flying out of the stadium. Like I, I felt a little bad for them. I didn't feel that bad because it was my team. I guess it was against anybody else. I would have felt really bad for them, but like, I mean, we may as well deal with it now. That Garnacho goal is an all timer. It's an all timer. All timer. Like we're not talking. Like it's going to be the goal. This I'll put money on it right now. That's goal of the season. You're not going to see a better goal this year. And at halftime, like even the guys like Robbie Earl and those guys were like, "That's an all time great goal. All time." We're talking about guys who hate Manchester United oh, and yeah. are like, "That's one of the best goals you're ever going to see in your entire life." They're like, "Garnacho is never going to score a better goal in his entire career. He can play for the next 35 years, and he will not score a better goal." Than that insane bicycle kick that didn't happen just right in front of the 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 key, you know, the box, the goal. I mean, it was out there. He shot it across net into the back corner. It hit side net for like you couldn't do it more perfectly. It's the most insane goal. I feel bad for as much as you feel bad for Everton, I feel bad for Pablo Sarabia because he had that goal last week that was goal of the month. Like Beautiful yes. touch with his left foot, volleys it with, or beautiful uh, touch with the right foot to volley it into himself, left foot in. And no, no one was really going to remember that goal anyways, but now for sure it won't even be remembered after one week. I mean, the Garnacho yeah. goal is just out of, out of control. Yeah. Like that Garnacho goal is on premier league commercials for the next 40 years. That's you know, right. it, it's, it's, they were, you know, they're talking like the classic Wayne Rooney bicycle kick goal. It's better than that because it was from further away and the pimp and at a just, more bizarre angle too. I mean, everything about it is just believable. And the only thing that made that goal possible was how bad Diego Dallo is at crossing in. Like <laughs> that goal doesn't happen if he's actually good at placing a cross into the box. Did you see the comment he made that uh, Garnacho practices those all the time? He said Garnacho practices. He said Gar- Garnacho practices bicycle kicks during training all the time. So because because he's got Dallo crossing into him and he has That's no true. idea. Well. So I have a uh, yeah. better chance of scoring this with a bicycle kick than yeah. Anything. Yeah, I mean just an all timer, absolutely amazing. And then the rest of the game, like Everton, kind of came back towards the end of the, the the first half, and they they played well, they pressured well, but they couldn't score. And then the second half was all United. And well, Everton had 24 shots. Yeah. Six on target to United's nine shots and four on target. So I know that doesn't, and I didn't watch any of the match. So I know okay. the stats don't show like they don't uh, always speak for the, the quality of the match, but it does. I mean, yeah. Everton wasn't for lack of trying. It looks like no, no, not at all. And they almost had, uh, they almost had a goal late in the first. Kobe Maynou making his pr- first ever Premier League start 
18-year-old kid played phenomenal. He was so good. But he cleared one off the line that was going in um, on uh, a play where Onana made a save and then someone else kicked it and Manu sliding in kicks it back over his head to get it out. Great, great save by the kid. Um, so, yeah, definitely there were chances. There were opportunities. Everton almost had a couple of goals. Onana had a, had a couple of good saves in there as well. So, um, but uh, my favorite, and it got talked about a little bit, and, and we can move on after this because I don't want to go too deep on United. Um, but penalty in the box. I don't know. Did you see that highlight at all? I didn't. Okay, so penalty in the box. Ref initially calls it a dive on Anthony Martial, gives him a yellow card for simulation. VAR intervenes, says, hey, go check it out. Oh, crap. He actually did step on his foot and cause that. So resend the yellow card, goal kick. Bruno grabs the ball, walks over, and just hands it to Marcus Rashford and says, go score. And love it. He's been struggling to start the year, um, lacking a little bit of confidence in his play. Bruno could easily put the penalty in. Um, but like, that's the kind of captain, like I want on my team to know his players, to know the guys he's playing with and to be like, I can sacrifice uh, a PK where I know I'm going to get a goal for it. Cool. Um, to get my teammate back on track. And so he hands the ball to Rashford Rashford just with a beautiful PK goalie went the right way, but Marcus just hit it so perfectly. There's no stopping it. Top net boom, two Oh, United later finishes it on a really nice goal from Anthony Martial. Um, and 3-0, another clean sheet for United. Onana now in a tie for first place for the Golden Glove, which who would have thought that was possible seven weeks ago? Um, to wrap up United's November in the Premier League, 3-0, zero goals conceded. Wow. Um, and now we, as a United fan, I'm looking at this from the eyes of last season was a year ago this time we were in a break for the world cup, but United had just started playing good. And this is where they turned their, their season around. Rashford was struggling. He went to the world cup and played really well. And then he came out of the world cup and scored like 20 goals in 22 games or something. And so I'm hoping that this kind of shadows that, Um, you know, Rashford played so much better after the PK dominant on the ball, driving it. Um, and I'm hoping this mirrors last season because um, they are starting to play much better together and they're getting healthy. Luke Shaw being back is unbelievable, but I could go on. I won't for the sake of our listeners or listener. <laughs> well, I will ask though. So tomorrow though, are they going to lose three to two? <laughs> Probably. Pro- actually, I, I think, so Rashford's suspended for this one because of the ridiculous red card he got handed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Last game. Um, so he, he won't be playing, but um, I think tomorrow is going to be a nightmare for Galastray. Um, really? I, think, I do. I well, United. Well, the reason before, I say it that way is because of how poorly United has played in the champions league, not how they're playing right now, just for some reason in the, in the champions league, they're shipping goals. Like it's going out of style. Yeah. Um, one, this game really, really matters. And so they got to play it. Um, they did score three goals in their last champions league match against Copenhagen, but 
they got that ridiculous red card and played with 10 and they still almost won with 10 outscoring them. Um, so uh, Galisteray is, is a better squad than Copenhagen, but if United wants to move forward, they have to win. So um, they've got to win their next two. They've got to beat Galisteray tomorrow. And then they've got to beat um, Bayern when they play. And if they do that, they move on. And if they don't, they're going to be out of Europe because they're already yeah. out of um, Europa, I think. Turkey's a tough place to play, so that'll be interesting to see how how they do. Yeah. Um, well, there's another team that's had a 10-point deduction, uh, just not quite as uh, overtly. It's been a little more subversive. So and, and that's uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've had a 10-point deduction uh, through VAR and primarily Anthony Taylor, the, the douchebag of all douchebags. <laughs> Uh, no one likes him, and for good reason. But I, how does that guy still have a job? I don't know how that guy still like, has a job. If you were you were for a nonprofit, if you were as bad at your job as Anthony Taylor is at his, your nonprofit would have fired you. There's no doubt about that. It's it's horrible, and we don't need to camp here long. I just, I kind of wanted to just make that joke uh, for the record, but but again, it was another weekend of just like just questionable, questionable decisions and like inconsistencies that, that don't seem to make sense. And even more confounding to me is immediately after the match, the referee admitting that there were three mistakes made. And I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the, uh, the forthrightness and the honesty that there were three mistakes made, but I just don't understand why they keep saying it just double down and just be like no i made the right call like it only like fuels the hatred and the fire more for all fans i mean particularly wolves fans you know but um and but there are a couple things so we won't we won't camp on all those what i will what i will say is there's a couple things that are coming out of this as a wolves fan that i'm like yes i love this one gary o'neill the way gary o'neill has handled all this has been top notch his interviews are class he's like been strong in his statements but not like whiny he's basically like the the statement I, i'm not going to repeat it verbatim but essentially he said like i don't want phone calls like what are you are you going to keep calling me to say sorry are you going to send me flowers like there are people's lives who are dependent on this our fans care our players are working and he, and he even said, he's like, my, my, uh, what did he say? My like career is on the line. Like he's trying yeah. to right? like, if the, he talked about how it's not fair to his players, they're fighting for positioning. Yeah. He's fighting to keep his first, you know, big time job. He's fighting to maintain a career. And if he fails there and gets let go, who, who's going to pick him up? So that's where he's a hundred percent on. That's what I loved about that is like, it's not, it is a game. Yes, it's a game, but this is careers for these guys. And yep. he's a guy who they all want to succeed. And even a lot of the Wolves Twitter and Instagram just dejected. Like it's hard to like keep putting, busting your ass to then have questionable call. Yeah. Are they like, some of them are really not that questionable, but then to have these calls go against you. And then immediately after they're like, yeah, 
sorry, we made three mistakes that essentially at least cost you a point, if not three points, you know? So that's the one thing, Terry O'Neill. The other thing is Max Kilman. Max Kilman uh, fouls. Um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Vin- Vin- Vinicius fouls him. He gets up, and Kilman's just like bodies, like bodies over him. Vinicius comes up and just headbutts him right in the nose, and Kilman just stands there. He doesn't flop. If the he one flops, time, if he flops, he gets a red card. But what I appreciate it is he's like, come at me, bro. Gets headbutted and just stays firm. And it's not a red card, which again was one of the mistakes. But I just appreciate that. Like we all make fun of floppers. We all make, when Huang, Huang got a red, Huang uh, got headbutted and just like launched himself. <laughs> but I think we even made fun of it on the podcast. Like dude, Huang sold that so hard, but got the yeah. red, got the, got the penalty and, so we make fun of floppers all the time. But, but there's a reason they're doing it. But if you don't sucks. Jackie Oatley, who's a commentator, she does some NBC stuff. Um, she did Women's World Cup, and I think she's a Wolves fan or she's from the Midlands. She's she was she was she's been a bit controversial where she's kind of stood up for VAR and refereeing. But one of the things she said is that the players have too much in, like players now know what they need to do to draw these fouls and poor officiating is just like allowing it to, to take place. Like just, if you get a little Nick, you just need to go down and nine times out of 10, you're going to get the call for you. So, so all that to say, I'm proud of Gary O'Neill. I'm proud of Max Kilman. And I think the team's galvanized. Like they know they're good. They know they're, they're playing well. Um, I, I don't think under a different, under different manager, I think it would turn bad. And I think Gary O'Neill is doing an amazing job of keeping them on the same page and saying, no, we're going to keep fighting together. We're a good team. We keep getting shitty calls against us, but instead of it dividing the team or sending them kind of into despondency, they're, they're rallying and they're continuing to put out good performances. But I should say not great performances because they're still in positions where a penalty or two going against them is costing them points. So, you know, they need to start learning. You can't leave a leg dangling out there. Like you're going to get like that's you're going to get nailed for that. So you can't go down within the first five minutes of a match one nil. Like those are things. So it's not just the penalties. We have to be honest about that. Like they're allowing other soft goals and there's other problems, but but it is, it is hard to watch and discouraging and why sure. I didn't want to continue with the podcast yesterday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's understandable. I, I like to give you a hard time about how much you bitch about it, but <laughs> you know, wolves have been on the short end of the stick a lot this season. And then uh, we, we should probably touch on it just real briefly because we talked about it just a little bit in our text thread, but like, with the new Sinbin potential that they're going to be trying out, giving these officials who are already fucking terrible even more authority to, like, change games seems like the worst idea ever. Which, if you don't know, they're, they're proposing a... It's called, they're calling it the Sinbin. It's, it's something that they use in rugby. And essentially, 
Uh, it'll be used for a couple of different things. One is they're tired of players approaching the referee. Um, it is supposed to be the captain's duty and the captain's duty only to approach the referee to discuss bad calls. They're tired of players getting in referees' faces who aren't uh, the captain, and therefore um, they're giving them the authority to send players who dissent like that to the sin bin, and it'll be a 10-minute penalty. So teams will be playing 10 on 11 for 10 minutes, almost like a hockey penalty. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that they're, they're going to use the sin bin for is if you uh, commit a foul that's potentially worse than a yellow, but not quite as bad as getting a full red card. Boom. Head Gosh. to the skin bin. They're calling it the orange card. And it just seems like the worst idea ever. And the I'm not on board with it. The last thing we need is to introduce more subjectivity <laughs> into the sport. Like, like is VAR gonna be helping out with this too? Like, are they is VAR gonna oh sorry, that was that was a little bad. Like, come over to the screen. I know you gave him a yell, but you might want to come over and see if it's an orange card. Give him an so orange card. Send him the sin bin. Sure. Uh, it just seems like the worst idea ever for a group of referees who are already just terrible right now. Why are you giving them more authority and at the same time more subjectivity to allow them to deal out their own authority? It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that uh, I will say this Sinbin idea has the potential to affect the game way more than a red card or a penalty in the box. Like, you could, like, if any of these guys are Tim Donahue's and have, you know, bookies and the mob running them, you could swing games so easily. If, if you are even corrupt in the slightest, it, it just seems like the worst idea ever. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, there is one nice thing about everything from this weekend, and that is Man City Liverpool draw uh, created another exciting fixture or uh, crunch at the top of the table. Um for some reason, Manchester City and Liverpool were the early match. Um, so I only caught like the last 30 minutes, enough to see Alexander-Arnold equalize. Um, but one thing that's crazy, and I don't love being sympathetic to Liverpool, but I, but I heard, I think on a different podcast, or I heard somewhere that Liverpool has, coming out of international breaks, has played the early, early Saturday game 12 times. <laughs> and I think the next closest is a team, like, I don't know who it is, but they have like four or five. 12 times. And I remember Klopp complaining about this a year or two ago, but that does seem egregious uh, to Liverpool to have their players coming back from international duty and then to have to play the early Saturday match. But uh the only pushback I'll give on that is it's early for Americans. It's like two in the afternoon in, in the UK. I think I, I think they just mean it's a little less time to rest. It's two to 24 hours or 28 hours less than the rest of the, the team. So, but it's exciting right now. Arsenal with that draw, Arsenal moves up to first, which feels crazy we always say that you got to get the results, but Arsenal's season this season feels 
far less dominant than last year's. And yet they are still top of table uh, or they're top of table again uh, in week 13 with city, a point behind Liverpool, two points behind tied with Villa uh, separated by goal differential and only uh, Hotspur Tottenham, only four points behind Arsenal. So um, very exciting table at the top. Yeah, and this is what we've talked about and wanted for the last few years is a race. The only thing that sucks is we've seen it the last few years. We get excited about the race in November, and then City wins 22 straight games in December, January, (laughs) February, and you're like, son of a bitch, this sucks. So for now, super excited. There's a crunch at the top, and especially being a United fan, I love – that teams have not pulled away. Uh, the fact that United is six points out of first after their just awful start is amazing as a fan. Um, so I am glad that it is crunched up. Um, I'm going to be cheering for whoever's in those top four positions to lose every match. And if they're playing someone else in the top four, I'm cheering for that draw. Let's get those draw boards. Um, you know, give my team a chance to regroup and get back in there. So, uh, yeah, it's fun right now, and I hope City doesn't do the City thing where they just take off and leave everybody in the dirt. Um, so let's hope for that. So keep losing, Man City, or keep drawing, whatever. Well, I we will do an American watch this this week because I watched Fulham in their entirety. And it was not a good showing by our Americans. Uh, Both goals were at the expense of poor American defending. Um, Anthony Robinson was just put on absolute skates by Belgard before he made the assist to Cunha for Wolves first goal. And then the aforementioned Tim Ream uh, foul in the box. It should have been his second yellow. Uh, led to Quang's Quang's penalty, so it was not not a good weekend for for the American boys at Fulham. Um, but now on to best in the Weghurst. I am certain that we will have the same best, so I will give <laughs> it over to you, Chris, and then I will give my Weghurst. It was the penalty kick that Wang took <laughs> in. Right, that's we're agreeing on that. No, no, uh, no. That we talked about it at the beginning. The Garnacho goal. Um, it's an all timer. An all timer. It's an all timer. All timer. Not. I'm not even hyping it up. I'm probably not even hyping it up enough because it was an all timer. Uh, I do want to know. I I wanted to ask you this earlier, but I know you weren't watching the game, and I texted the group as soon as it happened. The funny, I woke up my son from screaming when it happened too. And I, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm, I'm a very tame fan. I don't go crazy when my team scores. I give it a couple of claps and say, Hey, good job boys. Now let's play some defense. I screamed. I was like, Oh my God. You know, and Landon came out. He's like, what's going on dad? Um, all timer. But when I texted the group goal of the season, what was your initial thought? Because the video wasn't out yet. So I couldn't send you guys the video until a little bit later. My initial thought was hyperbole. Okay. Totally fair. Yeah. 
Probably fair because we say it all the time, right? We like whenever like one of our favorite, favorite players scores a really good goal, we're like oh, goal of the season, baby. Totally. I mean, this one like close it. It's done. Yeah, it is. It's done. Nothing I can't even like. I can't even think about what is gonna like what would top that goal this season that you would be like, yep, there you go, goal of the year. Maybe a further out bicycle kick that wins the league. Sure. All right. We're a keeper, off. By a keeper. <laughs> yes. In the die in the waning moments. Liverpool, Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. need, never, Liverpool needs to win to secure the title. And Allison does a, a bicycle kick off a corner from outside the box. I love I'll give it. I'll give it that. That's what it's gonna take to to top that goal. I agree. 100 percent Um the weg horse I'm giving to Stu out at well. Uh, <laughs> he's just. I've always, I've always said, if you know a referee's name, that means they're terrible. It's true, and this guy yeah. is horrible. Yep. So Michael Oliver, Stuart Atwell, Mike Dean, um, uh, Anthony Taylor. We know your names because you guys fucking suck. <laughs> yes, that's true. Get rid of all of them. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going with your waggers. That's it. That's all. I, I don't want to talk about him anymore. Till he, okay, I'm so. going to give my way. Uh, my way horse is the Everton fans and their stupid, uh, corrupt postcards that they printed out. Like, do something better. Like, you get like, the Everton fan who paid for the corruption plane to fly over Etihad. How do you, how do you say uh, that? Yeah. To fly over Etihad during the city Liverpool match. That was awesome. And you guys followed up with these like paper, six by eight paper sheets of pink EPL logo corrupt. That was how you guys went out firing. That was the horse. There's a lot of Wolves fans who are talking, we need to come out, we need to do something, but they're all saying, but we can't do what Everton did. That was so bad. So like, we got to think of something, but it can't be what Everton did. And I guess, like, part of me wants to be like, okay, kudos for organizing. Like, you guys did get a whole bunch of people involved. You got thousands of people to, to march around, um, you know, the the stadium before the game. And you had the, the, the cars. But it was just so dumb. And when they were, like, they were trying to hype it up uh, on Saturday. Like, look what we're making. And they're, like, showing the printing press, like, making all of the same pink corrupt logo. I was like, oh, wow. That's gonna be it, huh? That's where you're going. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, Chris, now it's time for best bet. Best bet brought to you by FanDuel, like always. Um, here's what we're learning about betting. Most of us are not good at it. Most of us are very poor at it. Um, Nate has taken a substantial lead because he won another bet. Good job, Nate. Good on you. You took Newcastle this past week, plus 145, so banked another $145 in your pot. Brings you up to 705 on the season in the positive. Good job. We'll go to the next good job. Is uh, To me, I lost this week. I had Liverpool over City. They drew. It was super close. Um, I can live with that. Uh, but I did lose another $100, and now my pool is down to basically $500 in the season. So uh, we're the only two in the positive. And that leaves Tim, Andrew, and Lundberg as our negative contributors. Uh, we'll start with Tim because he's negative 300 bucks. Uh, he had Brentford Arsenal, Brentford Arsenal draw. 
Um, again, I still think the draw is the worst bet you can make in all of sports. It's just way too hard to get that. Um, but he lost that one. Uh, Andrew had the Everton Man United draw. Again, a horrible bet. I mean, it was horrible from the beginning, but it was even worse that you took the draw. And he lost 100 bucks on that. And then um, Lundberg had Brentford plus 340, and that also did not cash this week. So uh, four losses and a Nate win. Uh, Nate, you're about 200 bucks ahead of me right now, so I got to catch you. Um, real quick, we'll hit on the guys who aren't here. So Lundberg, our neophyte, is taking Sheffield, <coughs> excuse me, Sheffield United uh, this week. They're a plus 330, and I looked at that one, and I thought, that's not a bad bet. They Sheffield's on the road at Burnley. Plus 330 is pretty good odds when you're playing the worst team in the league right now. So uh, I like that bet, Lumberg. I hope it hits for you. Tim is taking Nottingham Forest. They're a plus 170 this week. Nottingham Forest is at home against Everton. So uh, at home against the second worst team in the standings, uh is not bad so plus 170 on that i will say everton up until united was starting to play a little bit better which was funny is because they had gained like 10 points in the last five matches and yep. then they got wiped out so all their hard work gone financial fair play breach um not a bad bet nottingham forest at home plus 170 for tim and then that leaves andrew i'm shocked he didn't actually take a draw this week maybe he's learning Never know with that guy. He does what he wants. But uh, he is taking Luton Town, who is on the road at Brentford, and they are a plus 550. So uh, Luton did get a win this past weekend. So uh, they're coming off a win, but going on the road in Brentford is a very good structured team. Like they're, they lost to Arsenal this weekend, which isn't a bad loss, and they only lost 1-0. So uh, it's a little bit of a long shot. That's why those plus 550 odds are what they are. But who doesn't want to cheer for Luton Town? As long as they're not playing your team, you, you know, root them on. So that brings it to us, Nate. I will go first because, well, you're ahead of me. And that means I'm going to go first. And I am backing your boys. And we, we kind of went back and forth on this. Wolves are at Arsenal this week. And when I saw that on the schedule and the odds, when I saw it two weeks ago, they were plus 1,200. And I was like, hey, I want those odds right now. I want to book it in. Look at it and give me those odds right now. And now it's down to a plus 1,000. And so Nate has been kind enough to not quite give me the odds, but we're going to split the difference. And I'm getting Wolves at plus 1,100 against Arsenal, who I continue to say is not as good as they were last year. And that just that line just feels too high, especially because Wolves, as much as I'd like to dump on them and make fun of Nate, like they're a solid squad and they always play their competition. So it's pretty rare for a Wolves team to get blown out. There are some extenuating circumstances this week with them losing a couple of midfielders due to yellow card suspensions. Um, but I'm going to ride with it because I called it a couple of weeks ago before the international break. Wolves plus 1,100 at Arsenal. Cash it now. Put it in my bank. I'll be back in first place after that win for your boys. So with that, Nate, who you got? I hope you do cash it. And if I win... You'll only be marginally ahead of me because I am taking Brighton at plus 360, which seems like just crazy odds at Chelsea. I know Brighton hasn't been playing uh, their best. They've been really spotty, but they're, they've gone four unbeaten, 
the competition has not been good in those four, but Chelsea isn't really that good either. So um, I am taking Brighton plus 360 seems like great odds, even if they're on the road at Chelsea. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was catching earlier in the season was just, just bet against Chelsea. Anytime you get a big line, it almost doesn't matter who the opponent is because you don't know what version of Chelsea is going to show up, which when you and Andrew were arguing about that a couple of weeks ago, which is the Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde club, I'm fully on board with Chelsea is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde club of this season. So uh, I like it. I like I like that bet. Uh, good action on that and the good line. Um all right. Well, hopefully we can cash some winners this week, boys. And that is all for the best bet brought to you by Fandy. Well, we have just an exciting, we have an exciting weekend coming up, but as exciting as the weekend is and some really important matches this weekend, Chris, this also kicks off. December match insanity. Yep. And really we're already in the midst of it because we're recording on Tuesday, which typically we record on Monday nights. So we had champions league today. We have champions league tomorrow. We have Europa and conference league on league on Thursday. We get to take a deep breath on Friday and then we get Saturday and Sunday. And then we're just rocking and rolling because we've got midweek fixtures that first week of December, then we got weekend games, uh, a Friday match. Then we hit the holidays where it's basically matches every day. So this is, this is the fun. This is the really fun time of year where there's so many matches all the time, so much to talk about. So this yeah. is very exciting. It, it is. It is the super fun month of the schedule of the season. Um, I, you know, I always go back to what helped me fall in love with this league was, you know, after my dad passed and we had all the COVID shutdowns and the EPL was one of the first leagues to kind of get back at it. And because they missed so much time, they just crammed all these games in and it gave me something to look forward to like every three days. And, um, that is what December always reminds me of was like, the break that watching my club play provided to me in a dark time. And I, I I just, I love it. I love it when they, I know it's awful for the players. I know it's just so bad. You're playing all the time. I get it. But as a fan, this is so awesome because every couple of days you get that glimmer of hope and that light of my club is playing today again. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So good. What match are you most excited for this weekend? Um, there's a couple good. I I'm gonna watch Wolves Arsenal, not just because I picked them. Um, Wolves Wolves. I, I was as I was watching the game yesterday. I was like, Wolves are not that bad to watch. They're really not. And that is something I have never been able to say about Wolves before, because even when they were winning and you know finishing in seventh and eighth place, they were not an enjoyable team to watch. Like the style wasn't great. Very defensive. Hopefully we can win one, one nil, two, one. They're actually fun and they attack and they get out on the front foot and they come in from the sides and uh, it's enjoyable to watch. So I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Wolves Arsenal is going to be fun. That's the huge uh, derby. 
I get with my son, <laughs> Titus is an Arsenal fan. So yes, trying yes. to get me to go to the Arsenal pub with them, but not, not this <laughs> time. We're just going to watch <laughs> it at home and try uh, on the trampoline when they lose. Yeah, obviously, uh, Newcastle uh, United is a very good match. Um, so that'll be a good one at Newcastle. That's the Saturday afternoon matchup. Um, and then City Tottenham, just because we're going to get to see the Spurs Spur again. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. Those are the three matches that I think are must-watch over the weekend. Ooh, one thing we didn't touch on, throw us in there just because City's playing at home, uh, the draw against Liverpool was the first match that City did not win at home out of their last, I think, 21 matches. Ooh. So that was their – they had won 21 straight at home. So they drew, got a point, but it was their first non-win in 22 matches. Unbelievable. That's remarkable. Yeah. Well, that's all we got, Chris. Yeah. Great job. Great job, man. Love it. It's fun to have just the two of us, old times. Uh, we can say what we want. Andrew's not here to correct us. It's a great. This it's is a great a good day. Good day. Yeah. And as <laughs> always, it's going to be Blazers out for me because they need to freaking leave as soon as possible. Blazers out. <laughs>